I remember when I was learning to snow ski and I had an instructor because my thing with snow skiing, Stephen, is as a Clydesdale, uh-huh. we fall pretty hard. <laughs> so I didn't want to fall. I was like, I'm going to try not to fall. And this ski instructor said, Jeff, if you don't fall, you're not going to get better because you're not pushing yourself and not pushing your limits. Oh, so I still tried not to fall, but I took that advice and I did get better. And sometimes you do fall. And I think that's the same with a DNF. To really get better, you got to push yourself. It sounds like you had Socrates for your ski instructor. Socrates, he was so smart. <laughs> that's Socrates. Uh, yes. Is that how you say it? Socrates? Uh, Socrates. Socrates. There we go. Hi, this is Ellen Ritt, and I'm a big-ass runner and pack burrow racer from the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now, here's your badass hosts, Jeff Harrell and Stephen Pritt. Stephen, badass host. I think that's the first time I've ever been called a badass, but thank you. I feel like, Ellen, like we're a family member because your last name is Pritt. Oh, no, I mean, it's Ritt, but Ritt, close enough. Very close. Yeah, close enough. And you run with our family members, so that's really great. Yeah, she just dropped a letter from her name. Uh, yeah, well, anyway. Awesome, Ellen. Thank you for doing that introduction. And she looks pretty amazing how she out there running with the burrows and stuff. Pretty cool. And Stephen, I don't know if you knew this. She's from Colorado. She mentioned that. However, she's also a lover of... Of rocks. She collects rocks that are heart shaped. Yeah, I saw on Instagram. She has a really keen knack for finding these heart shaped rocks. It's pretty impressive. And you can follow Ellen at, at Mountain Hiker 13, Stephen. Wow. And she's got some pretty cool pictures of some of her four legged friends as well. That is true. Well, welcome to the Big Ass Runner. I am Jeff Harrell. And I'm Stephen Print. Steven, this is episode number 39. I know. That's a good year. I remember being 39. Do you really? Not really, no. Oh, you're not even 39 yet. <laughs> I know. That's why I don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> we all wish. Well, we've got an exciting show for you. We've got a couple of really great segments, Stephen. If you remember last week, we had a Wire Run by Kelly. That was amazing. Yes. But we have the second part of the two-part series with Denver this week. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, these Wire Runs are some of our favorite things because we actually get to hear from our listeners on the why behind their running. And it's just so great to see the big-ass running herd there. And for us to hear each other's stories, it's one of my favorite things that we do, Jeff. I agree. It's one of my favorites as well. And in the second segment, Stephen, we have a segment we did a couple of episodes ago called News You Can Use. We have a topic that I think we both have a pretty strong opinion about. Yeah, this one actually really bugs me. (laughs) So I can't wait to talk about it because it's got a little... uh, a little burr underneath my saddle since we're talking about burrow racing. A burr under your burrow uh, saddle? Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I can't wait to talk about this. Awesome. But before we do that, we did want to give a couple of different updates. Yes. Well, last week, if you remember, we made a little bit of a joke. We were talking about the awesome hooded shirt from Path Projects called the Pyrenees. Yes. And you said, oh, I had a Pyrenees named Muffin. <laughs> right. And I said, oh, Stephen, you're so silly. That's not a Pyrenees, that's a Pyrenees. And well, it turns out, and actually Julia Wolf brought this to my attention, there's actually a dog called the Pyrenees. You know what? I thought I had heard about that. And once they put it in there, like Julia did, I was like, 
these are some really big some mountain- big ass dogs <laughs> they are and they're mountain dogs too it's like kind of like the Clydesdale of I think dogs because they're huge I mean I resonated very much <laughs> with this dog when I saw the pictures well I looked them up because uh-huh. I wanted to know more and by the way the formal name is the Pyrenean Sheepdog or Whoa. listen to this the Chien de Berreur de Peranis in French. They're French dogs. You know what, Jeff? I took French in high school and a little bit in college, and that sounded exactly... It was perfect, wasn't it? It was perfect. <laughs> With it was, my Texas accent. It was perfect. I mean, spot on. Well, they are small to medium-sized breed of herding dogs, but the dogs I saw were not small or medium-sized. <laughs> they were huge. No, not at all. Yeah, maybe the French ones are a little tiny or something. I don't know. Well, they're from the Pyrenees Mountain region of France, and it has found herding flocks of sheep throughout the Pyrenees along the much larger Pyrenees mountain dog. Well, wait a minute, maybe there's two different kinds. Well, I think so. And I like the fact that they're herding because that fits really well with us. The we have herd. our herd. We run in packs when we do trail races. So this could be like an, an informal mascot maybe. I don't know. We need to look into this a little bit more. I think this could be an awesome an awesome addition to the big ass runner herd. Yeah. Well, that's pretty amazing. These look like amazing dogs and that's just kind of the value that we get from our listeners. They correct us sometimes, you know? You know, and- we need it. Yeah, keep us honest on some of those things, and they might have realized that sometimes we're not as smart as we sound on the podcast. Oh, we sound so smart. I know, really. We sound brilliant. I mean, it's probably like they get confused with like the Harvard Business Review podcast. (laughs) That's true. It's like, oh, which one am I listening to? Yeah. Right. Is this NPR? No, no, this is Big S Runner. Right, exactly. So I get that. We get that compliment a lot. So So thank you, Julia, for that information. That's the Pyrenees update. And then we also wanted to do a gel update. Steve, if you remember back in episode 35, we did a segment called What the Gel. Right. Because neither of us are real big fans of most gels. Most gels are disgusting. They give you, I think we found out, gut rot. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like and what it feels like. It so feels exactly. That scientific term was spot on. Well, we heard from quite a few people about this topic. Most of them agreed with us. Yep. Of course, Sheila did not agree with us. <laughs> Shout out to Sheila. Yes. But there are a few brands that people actually do like. And we mentioned this one. We love Spring Energy because it's in gel form-ish, but it's actually real food. Yeah. It feels like baby food. It does. Uh, but I mean, feel, like, I guess, taste. Well, kind of both. <laughs> both, it's, yeah. It's a little bit but both. It's I, the consistency and texture of baby food. Right. So it doesn't feel like that gelatinous thing that's trying to grab a hold of your throat while you're trying to choke it down a little bit. We also heard about two other brands people tended to like, and I don't know how to even pronounce this, Stephen. Do you know how M-U-I-R? Is that Moor? I think it's Murr. Murr? Ah, like, like frankincense? Y- no, no, no. After like John Murr. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> he's, the, he's the famous like outdoors guy. Oh, is he? Yeah. Apparently not that famous. <laughs> <laughs> He's like super famous. Oh, I've never heard of him. Okay, we'll do that later. We'll get our data scientist to do some research for you and they'll give you a full uh, 16 page PowerPoint to, to make sure that you. <laughs> white know, paper. White paper. Oh, that's right. A case study on the life and times of John Murr. <laughs> well, there was that brand. And there also one called Huma. Oh. H U M A. Huma. Huma. These gel companies need to come up with names that are easier for Texans to pronounce. That's well, what I think. I think that's the half the reason why we like spring energy. E- easy. Right. You can, spring energy. Right. You can actually have it in any season you want. It doesn't have to be just in spring. And it gives you energy. Pretty simple. The Myrn Humana. It looks like a healthcare insurance or something like that. I don't know what's going on with it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, we did hear from our friend Sarah Vandernoot, who is the owner and creator of Vanderjacket, which we love. 
She has a gel story that she shared with us, and we're going to listen to that now. Here's Sarah Vandernoot's gel story. My funny goose story happened a few years back when I was running the Boston Marathon. Some of you may know that the Boston Marathon is a point-to-point. It starts in Hopkinton. And for all the average runners, they put you on buses and cart you out to Hopkinton to wait for a few hours for your wave. And they always have waves, even without COVID. And I was waiting for my wave and, you know, the race starts around 12. So it's later, you have to hang out. I was sitting in the grass and trying to save my legs, trying to stay loose too. And I also had some nervous energy. And I was going to take one goo during the race at about mile 18, I thought, and I would put it in my back pocket. I was wearing some shorts and there was a little center back pocket that was the perfect size for a goo. And I put it in there and it was a raspberry flavored one. I still remember. Well, I was sitting there just trying to stay loose. I hugged my knees and I rocked back and kind of did a rock back and the goo popped and it exploded raspberry goo all up my back and if any of you have an experience with a newborn baby who has a blowout diaper that's what it was it was like raspberry goo blowout diaper up my back shortly after it was time to run the race and that's how i ran boston i think a few people noticed steven i've had that experience with my children Blowout diapers. Yes. No, that's, that is hilarious. I, I'm wondering if like, maybe Sarah had a great source of entertainment for the people running behind her. So. There's no doubt about it. And what yeah. she needed, too, is Path Project shorts because they have pockets in the front as well as the back. Steven. Yeah. Well, I wonder what she did, too, because she probably needed a goo around that mile 18. So Just yeah. wiped her back? <laughs> Just, yeah, I don't know. There it is. Let's scoop it up. Yeah. Well, I can say, Jeff, that I am not jealous of that situation. Oh, my. And we're going to start out early. It's just the dad jokes are going to keep coming so here they come yeah i'm not jealous of that situation but i'm glad she finished and just the fact that she even qualified for the boston marathon like quite amazing so yeah, awesome sarah's job. a great runner well with that steven let's get going on episode number 39 of the big ass runner Stephen, as we mentioned in the open, one of our favorite segments is a segment we call Why I Run. I think we love it because, as you mentioned, it's someone's story. We get to hear about someone's why, and everybody's why is unique and special because it's their why. Yeah, and I think what's nice is that everybody, like you said, has something that's different. But I think when we hear these stories, we can all relate some way or shape or form to those stories. And so I think that's why it makes it so fun to hear those. So this one I'm really excited about. It's from our friend Denver, and he is just an awesome guy, an incredible runner. And his story, I think, is really going to be impactful. And I think it's really timely for everybody as well, too. Yes, Denver is one of our favorite cities and one of our favorite people. You're going to really like this. As Stephen said, this is very powerful. Here is Denver's Why I Run. Hi, my name is Denver Isom, and this is Why I Run. So like most people, I started running for my physical health. But then I realized all the gains that I was able to get for my mental health from running. 
It started with my very first time on a trail run. It was just a form of escapism for me. I was able just to get away, just me, nature, and my thoughts. And I felt like I went into the trails with so much weight on my shoulders. And I was able to go out there and just shed so much emotion and just get so much thought off. And then it just come back and it was just, that weight was gone. I felt better. I felt like it was nourishing to my soul. And so, uh, you know, and this is love, you know, just being out there didn't matter how fast I was going, how slow I was going. Didn't matter if it was raining, snowing, sunny out, just... Being out there one-on-one with me and nature was just a beautiful and, like I said, nourishing experience, and I loved it. So that got me to looking up trail runs. This is when I first started running, right when COVID started. So, I mean, everything was ending. I think I was able to find one run. It was, I want to say it went up to like a 25K. But I was just signed up for the 5K. First race I've ever did, it was a trail run on a trail that I was familiar with because I rode mountain bikes on this trail before. So I was like, all right, why not? You know, I'm familiar with the trail. Went out there and not going to lie, it was the worst 5K. I mean, it was the first and only 5K I ever did, but it was the worst one I've had. <laughs> That's a whole nother story why. But just being out there on the trails, I loved being out there. And even though I was struggling out there, there was people that were encouraging me and I loved that. And so the, the community. And so the next day I was looking up YouTube videos on trail runs and that's how it came up about ultras and honestly it's probably the worst video i could have watched on ultra runs it's almost like how you see those people that were going to go skydiving the day before they go skydiving they go they google skydiving gone wrong so it was like one of those type of videos to where you just see people running across the finish line barely making it collapsing across their knees elbows hands everything's all bloody blisters toes toenails falling off toes are bruised i mean just the video that would make you not want to do trail runs, but it was a complete opposite for me. I was like, yes, I need to do that. Sign me up. Let's get that done. Let's go. So yeah, so I was trying to look up ultras. Obviously everything was canceled. So I just was like, you know, I had no idea on how to train for this. So what I would do was just each week, just increase my miles. So I hit 13 miles. After that, the next week it'd be 15, then 18 until I think I hit a marathon distance. And then after that, stuff started did opening back up. I signed up for ultra now that I have actually in June. And that's a 50 K. So I've been training for that. But I mean, running, it's helped me push myself beyond limits that I thought I could never do. Like I remember talking to a lady before and she was telling me how she was training for a marathon and she was going to run 13 miles. And that just seemed like you might as well say a hundred miles, you know, I'm just seeing like, it's the most incredible distance ever. I'm like, how are you doing that? And now, a couple years later, I'm running 26 miles of train for a 50K. So it just helped me push myself beyond the limits I ever thought I could. And I, I will never again ever put any limits on myself on things I can do. It's definitely opened up my eyes that way. I've gained a lot of mental strength from running, I will say that. And then the same thing with that, it's also helped make me happier. It's definitely helped with my mental health. It made me strong with my mental health in that way. I'm one that deals with anxiety and depression. And I mean, I don't think no amount of running is going to stop my anxiety, but depression has definitely helped with that. I know I think I noticed that within like my first two or three months of running, it was just one that used to be a little bit open here and say I used to have suicidal thoughts all the time, at least you know, four or five times a week. And it was just something that's always, always on my mind and demons that always, you know, haunted me. And I was noticed it about, you know, two months into running. I'm like, you know, I haven't had those thoughts in a couple of weeks. I'm like, you know, I just didn't realize. So one day it just clicked and I'm like, wow. So I kept doing that and that was just making me a better person. I think I just was to learn it. Maybe I think I just started just to appreciate life more, you know, running out on the trails made me appreciate everything more, just life, nature, all the smallest things. And then it's something I can do with my family as well. Like when I go on my trail runs, a lot of times it was nice out. My wife and kids, they'll ride their bikes and I'll run and it's just something we can do together. And it's definitely made me a happier 
person, which has made me a better father and a better husband. And I gotta say that's one of the biggest things I take away from this is just the mental strength I've gained from running. I get some people that tell me I've inspired them to run. They tell me they, you know, haven't ran it forever and now they want to run. By me just doing what I'm doing inspires others, dude. Hey, do what you do. I love it. I run to hopefully inspire those who are running. I'd love to get more people like me out there to get out there running. There's a lot of people that feel that they put themselves in cages. That's why I love the quote by uh, George Lucas, where it says, we're all living in a cage with the gate wide open. And I feel so many of us are living that type of way. And running has helped me not live that way. It's helped me learn that there's no limits. I mean, I don't place limits on myself anymore. And so I love to inspire and encourage people to not do that, you know, and get out there and, you know, no matter what it is, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be running. I mean, if you want to be freaking gymnast, hell, go out there and bust your ass and work hard and be the best gymnast you can be. It doesn't have to be running. It's just in life, period, you know? And so I don't know if that's how running has helped me bring out and feel those emotions and help me face a lot of demons and just make me a better person in, in the long run. So, uh, yeah, when I run, I run from my family and I run to inspire. Well, Stephen, that was Awesome stuff and lots to unpack with Denver. But first, Denver, I just want to say you are an inspiration. I think just hearing your story was inspirational for me and for a lot of others as well. Yeah, Denver, thank you so much. I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people, not only just your transparency, but your honesty. And what a great way to talk about the benefits and why you run. But a lot of times people talk about things, but you, you clearly are talking about, but also doing it. And it's really awesome to see how you got into running, but really what running has meant to you, but also what it's been doing for you as well. Stephen, I wrote down so many takeaways from I'm taking notes from Denver. I'm like writing this down, writing this down. I'm like, oh, I need to put that in Evernote. A lot of good nuggets in here. I think the first one I wrote down was when he said it was nourishing for his soul. And I think we hear that a lot too. I think there's something about getting out on the trails and getting out on a run, being able to kind of process your thoughts, Mm -hmm. get away from all the hustle and bustle and just busyness of life that helps you process. And I think really helps your soul kind of catch up with your body because we're moving so fast. A lot of times we leave kind of our soul behind a little bit. Mm -hmm. It allows our soul to catch up with our body. And I think that's what makes it so nourishing, at least for me. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I don't know if this is the right term, but when you're out on the trail, especially after we've been in front of computers or if you're working from home and when you're running, it seems like your mind kind of empties a little bit, but in a good way. And I think that's very nourishing just to kind of put stuff away and let your mind shuffle things. I know running just into morphins when you have those is physically something that your body releases and it does help your brain, like literally helps your brain. So many great benefits of that, but how to see it in use practically is is pretty cool. I just love Denver's courage and talking about some of the mental health issues, even the suicidal thoughts he had. I think for me, and my daughter is actually going to school to become a counselor because she sees this too. I think for so many years, talking about mental health Mm -hmm. felt like a weakness. Right. And I think we're finally peaking at that point where talking about mental health is actually a strength. Right. You talk about you know, if I'm going to get better at, let's say golf, I'll go hire a golf coach. Or if I want to get better at even business, I'll hire a business coach or running a running coach. But the thought of going to see a counselor, somehow <laughs> there's something wrong with you. And there, there's really not. It's you want to get better at your mental health too. And you want to process through things. That's just part of life. So I just love that Denver is very open and honest in talking about that. And I think as a society, we're becoming more and more open and honest in, in talking about that because it's just such an important part, mental health of who you are, that we're not just 
one thing we, you know, we're, we're, we're made up of so many different parts and mental health is a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, that's a dimension that we focus a lot on our diet and our body and we care about those things. And yet the brain <laughs> and the mental part of it needs that same kind of rigor and discipline and that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's one of the reasons why we support like Bigger Than The Trail that offers free counseling and those kinds of things. It's a big deal to both of us because we've either known people or experienced it or care about that subject because it has been a taboo. And that's just one of the cool ancillary benefits of doing this sport that we all love, whether you're starting out day one or you got into it like Denver starting out doing a 5k and now he's doing a 50k ultra in June. I mean, that's just awesome and amazing. So I cannot wait to hear how how he's going to do on this race. The last thing I'll touch on Steven is when he talked about just appreciating things more and seeing that time out on the trail as an opportunity just to appreciate his surroundings, but also appreciate time, time with his family time on the trail by himself to process his thoughts. I think for me, that's a big one too. The idea and the opportunity to get out to run. Not everybody has that. And especially when you've gone through COVID and things are taken away, you start to appreciate things even more. And so I just love how he brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. And just hearing him talk about how it's made him a better father. I see pictures of him all the time with his family and stuff. It's just really cool. And those are genuine. Those aren't like the showy ones. I think the last thing that really stood out to me, Jeff, that I really liked too, is just that whole idea of no limits, where it sounded like maybe that he had put limits on himself. Like, there's no way I could run 13 miles or this is crazy. And I think that was just really encouraging that the only limits you really can put on yourself are the ones that you put on yourself and that we're way more capable. I know we've said that before and it almost seems like a cliche, but you are capable of doing more than you think you are and that having that freedom and permission to take those limits off is really cool. And I like what he said there at the end. It's like, whatever you want to be, if it's a gymnast, which I don't want to be, but I mean, (laughs) I know Mary Lou Retton, but whatever that is you want to pursue, just go do it and don't quantify it before you try to go do it. I think is really a good message. So Denver, thank you for those thoughts and just the honesty of that. But I think there's so much wisdom in there that we all could use. And I think this is really awesome that you you were able to share that with us. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Denver, just for your transparency, your honesty. You are an inspiration. We'll be following your journey as you head towards that 50K. We're definitely pulling for you. So thanks so much for sharing your why I run. So Stephen, with that, that's why I run. Well, Stephen, one of the things we love to do is to give shout outs and kudos to the big ass runners out there making it happen. Who do we have today? Well, Jeff, this episode, we actually have Brie and on Instagram, she goes by Brie DeBuck and she is awesome. She just recently posted that she had her first official 50K in the books and she really did an amazing job. Already signed up for another one. What was really cool to see is that she had all the important people, her husband and her kids with her at the end. And I just love Jeff seeing people out there doing their first 50K. For some reason, the 50K race distance seems like that's the sign off once you've done that. And I'm really excited for her. It looks like she had a great time and just wanted to say congratulations, Brie. We're just doing an amazing job and just getting it out there and just making it happen. Yeah, it seems like we've had several people doing their first 50Ks recently. So that's super cool to see. Way to go, Bree.
Well, Stephen, this is a segment we call News You Can Use. We introduced this segment a few episodes ago when we talked about Team Hoyt. Uh We scour the internet's webs looking for articles and things that relate to trail running. But we think that practically, as you guys are listening, whether you're in your car or you're out running right now, that you could think about or maybe something you can use in your life or, or, you know, around trail running. And so this one's a good one. I can't wait to weigh in on this one, Jeff. I'm ready to let you talk about this, but I'm really excited to give it a little bit of opinion. I can tell you have a lot to say about this. I'm a little riled up. So our friend Greg actually posted this a couple of weeks ago and I saw the article and wanted to read. This is an article that appeared in Ultra Trail Running Magazine. And it's an opinion piece done by a guy named Drew Denon called Keep Going. And so I'm going to read a few of the excerpts from this article. But the basic concept, Stephen, is there is a trend happening in ultra trail races with race directors Uh of dropping down. And you'll understand what I mean here in a second. Is that at the beacons of light? (laughs) Dropping their trousers. Oh, no. Is that the finish line when you kind of like you're exhausted and you kind of get into that last You drop down. You just drop down to your knees and go, thank Thank the Lord that race is done. Is that that what it's about? It might be. You'll have to to wait. So let let me read a little bit of this article. So it starts with this. There's no shame in a DNF. No one wants to enter a race and not finish, but sometimes bailing out is unavoidable. Weather injuries, wrong turns, missed cutoffs, allergic reaction to bee stings, these are all things that could prevent you from reaching the finish line. Regardless of your skill level, there is no guarantee that any ultramarathon will go smoothly. But if you give it your best and have nothing to be ashamed of, even if you must pull the plug before your goal has been reached... Well, that makes sense, Stephen. Yeah, I'm all for that. You're here on board with that. Yeah, I love this guy. It's great. But you know what the next word is? What? However. Uh, I hate when the howevers come in. <laughs> it's like putting the big butt in there. It's the big butt. But something has been bothering me lately, and it's that a growing trend of race directors are allowing runners to, quote, drop down a distance mid-race and still get credited for a finish. The most common stage for this is the 100-mile race where runners sign up to run two 50-mile loops only to drop after one loop but still get a finisher's medal for completing the 50-mile race. I have also seen this at 100Ks where runners were given the option to stop at the finish at the 50-mile mark. In ultra running, the value lies in the effort to push ourselves beyond our comfort zone and the rewards that come from overcoming the challenges we face along the way. This is not a sport for the faint at heart. I think we can both agree with that one. (laughs) Exactly. Ultra running takes dedication, commitment, hard work, and sacrifice. And the process long before we even tow the line is what makes us better people on and off the trail. I would much rather see a runner give everything he or she had and DNF at mile 65 than take a medal for stopping when they were still able to continue. The article goes on, but let's. I think that's enough for us to at least chat about yeah. This trend. Yeah. Well, first of all, I've never heard of this before until I read this article, which to me, I was actually quite, quite surprised by this. I think, first of all, let me just say this. I think he's totally right in the first part in terms of nobody enters in a race and goes, I'm not sure if I'm going to finish. We all enter races. We sign up. We pay our good hard-earned cash. We train. We look forward to it, even if it's just like a training race, right? Not even like a full out. You're trying to get a PR kind of thing. And your intent is to finish. That's why when you sign up, there's different options. You know, do I want to run the 25K, the 50K, the 100K or whatever? 
And so you sign up for one and that makes sense. You have a goal in mind. So I think what's really interesting is that your intent is to finish that race. But like you said, for whatever reason, I've never personally DNF'd a race, but if any of those things that came up that he mentioned, sometimes you just have those bad days or if you get injured or there's all kinds of different reasons. I think that makes complete sense. And if you've given your full effort and your intent was to finish that and you could for whatever reason, there's zero shame in that. I mean, you've given your best on that day and that's all you can really ask for. I agree, Steve, but I'm going to hold my opinion until we finish this article. Okay. I'm going to tease it out a little bit. Oh, How about, wow. What do you think about that? Oh, wow. Okay. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Well, he continues, he says, perhaps this is not a common occurrence and there is a good chance you will never run a race that allows this option. But should you find yourself in this situation and ultimately choose not to continue for whatever reason, he says, do not take credit for a finish. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Instead, take pride in your accomplishment and that while you DNF'd, you still did something that most people would never have the courage or dedication to take on in the first place. It's exactly what you were just saying. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of one day we were running and you and me and Scott were running and I think we were running different distances that day. And you're like, man, I only did 13 miles. And Scott said, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. You just ran 13 stinking miles on the trail? Like, Name me people that we know in our sphere at work or, you know, around our neighborhoods and stuff who got up at God knows when early in the morning and ran 13 hard miles. I mean, it is a rare breed of people to do that. So I think, yeah, when did 13, six miles, nine miles, whatever become like, yeah, you know, that's no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And what Drew's saying here, he says, use your frustration with your DNF to figure out what went wrong and how you can do it better the next time. So I think the idea is if you just stop, you know, and drop down in the distance, right? Let's say you're doing a hundred miler, right? And at 50, you're just not feeling good. Maybe you just like, this isn't my race. I'm just going to stop at 50. I think his idea here is if you don't keep pushing yourself and understand what your limits are, you're not going to know maybe what to tweak in right. your training, in your nutrition, in you know the way that you're putting miles in maybe your preparation and maybe at some point maybe mile 60 you start to feel better right i know a lot of people who had races are like yeah i felt terrible in fact scott even said this when he did the 50 mile race he felt worse in the first 25 miles than he did in the second 25 miles what if he'd had the option to stop at 25 and got a medal and he took it he wouldn't have known, hey, I could overcome this. My body can actually do more than I think. And if if it doesn't, then I know what to tweak. Right. I think it goes back to even like a little bit what Denver was saying is like you got to push yourself to those limits. But to me, it's like you're planning for failure before you like, even have the failure. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, we all know that the mental battle, we talked about this the other day, like the mental battle that you go through when you're running and you're talking to yourself and you have these conversations with yourself. It's like your body screaming in one hand, you know, you're talking to your head and your body. It's like this weird phenomena that goes on on what it's called. But if you like have an out before you even go there, then how are you going to challenge yourself mentally? Our friend Richard, who was running Leadville, I mean, they had cutoff times and stuff. There's a reason. And he talks about he had a DNF because he didn't get through to the station on time for the cutoff point. But you know what? He talks about that all the time as the fuel for doing better on races because he had that experience and he left 
Leadville with a DNF, but it was a good experience. And it also propelled him to do better in other races. And he's like, Hey, if I went back, I'd do this different distance and I could exactly. finish it. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's true's point. So he continues here. He says, do you need to adjust your training or nutrition or add more strength workouts into your weekly routine to prevent those trashed quads? I know that feeling very well <laughs> that kept you from running down hills, whatever it is, look forward, taking credit for finishing a race that you did not complete is fool's gold. Now, I will say that I disagree with him a little bit here because you did complete a 50 mile race. Let's say if you drop down to 50 miles, you did complete the 50 miles. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with him. I feel like it, you know, we, we, <laughs> we always joke, we do have some, I'm looking at your wall over here. We do have some races where we've gotten the same medal. That's true. Where it's, it just says like 50 and it could be a 50K or a 50 mile, but we know there's a big difference on there. But I think it's a little bit of pyrite. I have to agree. Do you agree with it's, him? It's a, little, it's a little bit of fool's gold because I don't think that it's not validating or not making the accomplishment significant. It's just that you don't get the participation trophy, you know, basically. I think. Right. I think you're right. I think you're right. He continues and says, it might look good on paper, but you will know deep down inside this was not what you set out to do. Now that I completely agree with because my take on this, Stephen, is whatever race you signed up for, that's the race you should compete in. That's the race you should try to finish. Right. We've had to drop down before the race. In fact, we did that in Huntsville mm -hmm. when you had a kidney stone <laughs> and the doctor's like, yeah, maybe 13.1, but let's don't try the 50K. Right. I had gout and COVID, so I did the same. We completed the 13.1, but that's the race we signed up for. So I totally agree with that. Right. Well, it's like this, Jeff, too. Let's say that you and I go for a trail run on our favorite trail. We're going to run six miles. Let's say whatever reason we don't do one of the loops and we end up running four. I don't go on Strava and add another two miles onto the run and go, well, I was intending to run six, <laughs> but I just went ahead and rounded up because that was what my intent was. That's true. That's true. Well, he says, furthermore, which I love that word, furthermore, however, however, furthermore, it may discourage you from doing the things you need to do to improve your false satisfaction will likely act as a deterrent. You may check a box that should remain unchecked. Whoa, that's a Twitter bomb waiting to happen. <laughs> so the next time you're faced with the option of stopping and taking a quote-unquote finish versus pushing on despite the pain, bad belly, or uncertainty that lies ahead, parenthetically, which will surely be less comfortable than the hotel bed that is just a few minutes away, I would insert instead of hotel bed, pancakes. Ooh. I urge you to keep going for as long as you safely can. I think that's a key word there, safely can. Because there are times, in fact, we had our friend Lauren Statema. Mm -hmm. He was doing a 50-mile race a couple of weeks ago, and his two goals was, number one, to finish. Right. <laughs> and number two, not to get injured. Right. He pulled out at mile 27 because he could feel himself headed towards an injury. There is no shame in that. Yeah. And that's, that's the smart thing to do. The dumb thing is taking a medal for something you didn't do. <laughs> well, he says, never push through an injury that could do long-term damage or place yourself, your crew or rescuers at risk by putting yourself in a dangerous situation far from an aid station. Go until you can possibly go no further for in that moment, when you must hand in your race bib or cut off your bracelet, you will know you did everything you could. You could be proud and satisfied. And that DNF on your ultra sign up page will not be a black stain, but a badge of courage that left it all out there. 
I mean, that's crazy, Jeff. I think we should have a t-shirt or something that said I DNF or something like that. I saw on Instagram, you know, back when we were all voting in November, it looks like one of those voting stickers, but it said I DNF'd instead of I voted. It was awesome. I think we should make a t-shirt because there's nothing out there that says I DTD. That sounds like Agent Orange or something you'd put on your lawn. I mean, I decided to not finish or something like that. I mean, that's just crazy. I just think that's a crazy, crazy idea. I remember when I was learning to snow ski and I had a an instructor because my thing with snow skiing Stephen is as a Clydesdale uh-huh. we fall pretty hard <laughs> so I didn't want to fall I was like I'm going to try not to fall and this ski instructor said Jeff if you don't fall you're not going to get better because you're not pushing yourself and not pushing your limits oh so I still tried not to fall, but I took that advice and I did get better. And sometimes you do fall. And I think that's the same with a DNF. To really get better, you got to push yourself. It sounds like you had Socrates for your ski instructor. Socrates, he was so smart. <laughs> was. Socrates. Yes. Is that how you say it? Socrates? Uh, Socrates. Socrates. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. I would even go to, if there was a race that offered this, I might not run it. Wow. I think I'd go that far. You'd protest. I would protest and sign up for a different race. And again, that's just my opinion. I know it's what's so great about America. We can have different opinions and still love each other, but I just think that's crazy. I mean, I think honestly, at the end of the day, I feel like you're giving yourself an out, which is too easy to do, especially when you're trail running because you got all those things going on. It's hard enough as it is. And you're almost planning for failure in advance. I just, I think there's no shame in not finishing race as long as you've tried your best. Well, Stephen, you and I are on the exact same page on this one. I think whatever race you signed up for, that is your race. You do as best you can to finish that race. And if you don't and you gave it your best, that's okay. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. You've pushed your limits and that's there's nothing wrong with the DNF. Right. Well, we'll do this, Jeff. How about this? How about we actually post this on Instagram? And we'd love to hear your opinion on that. Maybe somebody has a different opinion on that. We would love to hear what your opinion is on should there be races that let you drop down in the middle of a race. I think it'd be really interesting to get the the herd involved and see if we have different opinions. Let's hear from the herd. And like the title of this article says, keep going. That is news you can use. Well, Stephen, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 39. You know, Jeff, it has been a great episode. And once again, we just want to say thank you so much for everybody. Alan, you did an amazing job. And thanks for calling me a badass. I mean, that's, (laughs) I feel pretty cool. I feel like I need to go run some more now. Hey, fun fact, Stephen, do you know most people who run marathons actually run them at age 39? What? Because they're about to hit 40 and they're like, I got to do something big before I hit 40. It's a fact. Really? 39 is the age when most people do a marathon. Well, there you go. If you're 39 or getting up there in the mid 30s or late 30s, you should sign up for like a 50K. And keep going. Don't do just a marathon. Do a 50K. Why not? Yeah, why not? it's close enough. And you know what, Jeff? If you don't finish it, that's okay. You'll get the half marathon medal. Stephen is a little bit hot under the proverbial collar (laughs) well we hope you enjoyed this episode thanks to Ellen Ritt for doing that open and that introduction thanks to Julia for letting us know about the Pyrenees mountain dog the Clydesdales of dogs and a special thanks to Denver thank you again sincerely for sharing your heart and being transparent and vulnerable really good stuff there Denver and if you guys don't follow him we'll post it on Instagram but he's a great follow just a genuinely good guy and 
He's one of those people that we want to meet when we go out to Denver to go see him. Yeah, just type in at Run Denver Run or something like that. You'll find him. It's got some double underscores. Yeah, you'll in, find him yeah, though. Yeah, at, you'll, you'll, at Run Denver Run. Yeah, you can't you can't miss him. He's a cool guy. Yeah, Denver's awesome. And also thanks to Bree for getting out there and getting her first 50k with the family cheering on. That's awesome. She didn't drop down and get a 25k medal. <laughs> no, she did not. She kept on going. She made she it happen. Kept on going. Well, Stephen, is there anything that we can ask the big-ass runner, Her, to help us with? One thing that really helps us is the show is really growing. We just want to say thank you. Um, Instagram is really growing, too. And just so you guys know, we're not in this to have some kind of numerical success, but we're just really happy to see the herd growing, the herd connecting with each other. And probably the best way for people to find out more about the show is just really by those Apple podcast reviews. So if you could just take a moment, maybe Google yourself or a note or something like that, or write it down. If you could just take a moment and just write a quick little one or two sentence thing on Apple Podcasts saying that you listen to the show or if you like it and just rate and review and subscribe. That really helps the word out because the podcast area where you can do that is really through Apple. So if you happen to have time to do that, if you listen on Spotify or another channel, that's fine. No worries. So we really appreciate that. And that would be a really good way to help us out. Yeah. Hitting the stars is fine. But when you actually write a written review, it matters more in terms of search engine. Right. So if you can do that, a couple of sentences is all we ask for. I think I doubled dog or triple dog dared him last time i'm wow. gonna quadruple dog dare and i'm not gonna drop down to a double dog dare steven i'm going with a full four double dog dare this sounds like a pyrenees dare <laughs> it's a it's a mountain dog dare it's a, it's a big ass mountain dog dare so anyway well we, we really appreciate it we enjoyed doing this podcast and hopefully you guys are enjoying it as well share it with your friends have a good run if you're running if you're in the car be safe until then get out there enjoy those trails and keep running your asses off Stephen, if you remember way back in episode, no, I thought I looked this up, and I don't know how to even pronounce this, Stephen. Do you know how to, M-U-I-R, is that Moor? Well, no, it's not Moor. Manure. H-U-M-A, Huma, Huma. Okay, here's what people- the- uh, Huma Katata? Yeah. <laughs> Means no worries with your gel? Super cool to see. Way to go, Brie. I just rhymed and I didn't know it. <laughs> This is a segment we call News You Can Use. And basically the concept is we find news stories, news, news. and we use them. <laughs> Socrates. Socrates. There we go. No, it's not, yes, not Socrates. Um, that's, that's the English Premier League. Um, anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Ted Lasso. Look, a bird. Uh, anyway. And like the title of this article says, keep going. That's Muse, Muse in the News. Well, Stephen, is there anything that we can ask the big-ass runner, her, to help us with? Yes. Don't drop down. No, just kidding. <laughs>